The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And uh, I should tell you that Chen is actually in Beijing now with his family, spending about six weeks there teaching his kids uh, Chinese, a little bit of uh, a little bit of Mandarin, hopefully, and um, uh, also bringing back some very interesting reports about what he's actually seeing and experiencing in in China. I actually believe that Chen provides one of the best uh, objective views of. China that anyone I know of, uh, certainly more than almost anybody you see on the mainstream television, because Chen uh, is uh, was born in China. His family lives in China. He is an American citizen, however, and so you know he uh, he certainly does. Uh, I think provide a very objective uh, view of China and the world and the economy in general. Chen is less ideological than uh, than yours truly is, but he is. A very practical investor, and that's one of the reasons he's done so incredibly well over the years. Chen Lin, what is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? And, um, well, we've just closed off the period to sign up for his letter, but at the beginning of the next quarter, you can uh, sign up for Chen's newsletter once again. But you do need to call in or rather go to miningstocks.com. M-I-N-I-N-G-S-T-O-C-K-S dot com, where you can put your name on a waiting list. And then at the beginning of each quarter, over a 10 or 15 day period of time, we allow new people to enter in uh, as subscribers to Chen's letter. He's done extremely well. You might want to consider uh, checking Chen Lin out in the future. Well, uh, you can also go to my newsletter. You don't have to put your name on a waiting list for my newsletter. It's called uh, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And you can go there, uh, you can go to miningstocks.com as well to, um, uh, to subscribe to my letter and also see other things that I'm doing and writing about uh, at miningstocks.com. And I do say that the best place to go to for all that I do uh, or a way to get to everything I do is to go to Media. that's J-A-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R, media. 
com, and there you can access this radio show as well as my newsletter, Chen's newsletter, and a host of other things that are going on. I should mention that you can follow me on Twitter under the uh, J. Taylor Media handle. We do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And we do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Blue Gold Waters Technologies Limited, Prophecy Platinum, Balmoral Resources Limited, Golden Arrow Resources Corp., and SGX Resources. With regard to our sponsors, Balmoral Resources, today selling at 45.5 cents, and they just announced they're receiving 2.12 million dollars from Revenue Quebec. One of the benefits of operating as an exploration company in Quebec, uh, is that you can, uh, is it a certain amount of the money that you explore and that you use to explore and develop mining projects uh, is plowed back to you through the through the tax code or uh, through revenue Quebec now it's uh, philosophically not something that yours truly is keen about but uh, it is a reality of life and it certainly does come in to benefit and lower the cost of uh, of exploring and developing projects and Belmoral Resources has had some very very attractive high grade uh, assays so far and we'll be talking to Balmoral sometime in the near future, the president of the company will share the story with you. Blue Gold Water Technologies is uh, an anomaly in a sense for this letter because it is uh, not a gold mining or silver mining or exploration company. Uh, it is involved in water technologies. And if this company can do uh, what it's claiming it, it has done in Mexico and what it can do, then I think this little 25-cent stock uh, could be an extremely big Winner, we are going to uh, have the company uh, on to talk about uh, their technology and what they're doing. This past week, uh, there was some news that came out uh, talking about some sales that they made to South Africa for. Uh, they're using nanotechnology, nano cartridges, uh, units that uh, were sold for the uh, what they call the Smartson sanitation unit. Essentially, what the company claims to be able to do is to take. Uh, water from dumps, water, uh, even sewage water, uh, purify it and make it drinkable. Well, it doesn't sound very appealing for sure, but uh, in parts of the world where drinking water is a real problem, believe me, if this company can turn, uh, you know, bad water into drinking water, uh, I think it's going to be a home run. 25 cent stock, 77 or 78 million shares outstanding. Um, Initially, uh, this is not one that I have recommended in my newsletter yet. I'm doing more due diligence. I have some reservations. I want to make sure about it. I haven't, uh, I have purchased some for my own account, uh, just a full disclosure there, but I, I have not yet. Uh, recommended it to my readers in my newsletter. Balmoral Resources I have. And the other, uh, companies that are, that are sponsors of this show I have. Prophecy Platinum certainly, to me, looks like an extremely promising situation. We, uh, we talked to Greg Johnson here just uh, last week and, uh, and he talked about, uh, uh, the tremendous progress that's being made there. It is truly a world class platinum group. Uh, and base metals project there in the Yukon. And this last week, the company announced that, in fact, they are going to be, uh, they are starting now to pull together a huge amount of data that has, from drilling in the past, that has never really been assembled into the model. So, uh, this is, uh, this is extremely well, well, time well spent. Uh, and I think that uh, as impressive as this multi, multi million platinum group, uh, Alan's project is, 
we're going to see it become even better. And I, I think the two questions in mind, in, in most people's minds with respect to Prophecy Platinum, is whether uh, they can get high enough recoveries for all those different metals uh, and then the capital cost. But uh, Greg Johnson did address both of those issues in my interview with him. I must say that Prophecy Platinum is a company that I own personally and very optimistic about. There's always risks. Don't, I'm not telling you by any means that this is a slam dunk, but I think it has a chance of being a huge winner, keeping in mind that Platinum and Platinum Group Metals, uh, their production is in decline from South Africa uh, and uh, elsewhere around the world. So uh, to have a world-class project that Canada has up in the Yukon uh, with uh, really high-quality management, technical talent. Uh, Greg Johnson has proven the ability to raise capital in the past and, uh, and to raise some big capital in the past for big projects. Well, this is one that I really like an awful lot. SGX Resources is more at the other end of the spectrum. It's early exploration, but some great, uh, some great ex- assays uh, that have been uh, found there, uh, SGX Resources, uh, and a very, very promising exploration play there with Dale Ginn, uh, head of that company, and SGX Resources is owned, uh, a big percentage of the company is owned uh, by, uh, is um, owned by another company that, uh, well, in fact, we just uh, talked to them last week. I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. We're talking about... Um, uh, I'm talking about Sandstorm, not Sandstorm, Sand Gold. Excuse me. Sometimes it's a senior moment for me. I am 66 years old. You will forgive me, I hope. Sand, uh, Sand Gold. And, uh, you know, we, we talked to the president of Sand Gold last week. That, by the way, is not a current sponsor, but one, a company that I do feel very, very optimistic about. I believe that they're in the process of turning the corner up there. No guarantees yet, but it's looking very good. And I do expect very shortly that Sand Gold will be coming out with some cost numbers for the quarter. And I expect, uh, based on what I'm hearing, they should be much improved over the first quarter of this year. And really, basically, what we were told last week in my interview with the CEO of the company. Uh, the last company I haven't commented yet that is a sponsor is Golden Arrow Resources. This is a company that's selling at $0.23 cents a share uh, the, earlier today. Uh, in Argentina, no doubt, one of the reasons that the stock isn't selling at a higher price, and there are, of course, some political issues, political concerns about Argentina, uh, given the fact that they basically nationalized the Spanish oil company. But um, I, I believe uh, the chances are very good that Golden Arrow will come out okay with this. They've got over 100 million ounces of silver equivalent with an awful lot of exploration potential yet on that property. So uh, I, I feel I feel cautiously optimistic about Golden Arrow. I do own it myself. It is a recommendation in my newsletter, as are uh, all the sponsors, as I mentioned, uh, with the exception of the water company. So that is a sort of a rundown on our uh, on our sponsors. I, I like to take some time to talk about our sponsors and other companies later in today's show around 4:30. I expect to be talking more about uh, some of our sponsors, uh, not our sponsors, but some other companies uh, on my list that I like a great deal. I might just mention that I'm looking here at the um, as a look at the chart of the uh, the Toronto the P, the S and P. TSX Gold Index, it goes back 10 years. And again, I, I must say again that we've hit a triple bottom or a quadruple bottom over the last 10 years. I don't see that there's an awful lot of downside risk for the gold shares at this point in time. Uh, 
Even if gold were to go back and retest the 1,100 level, I don't see very much risk. But we are going to be talking after the break in just a couple of minutes with Gene Epstein. And Gene Epstein uh, will be talking to us about the New York City Junto coming up this Thursday. But he'll also be talking uh, about um, his report that he wrote in Barron's last weekend on gold. Gene Epstein writing a fairly bullish report on gold is talking about the prospects for gold uh, going back up into the 1500s from where they are now. So uh, we'll, we'll hear what Gene has to say about, about his view on gold. Might just mention that Charles Nanner uh, believes that we could see uh, another low. We may go back and test the lows before we go back up. Uh, also, uh, Charles, um, uh, in talking last, last week to uh, Dr. Robert McHugh, he also said he would like to see gold go back down to about 1100 or so to feel really comfortable that we've bottomed, and then we could be on to uh, one of the most massive rises, what he calls uh, you know, the fourth leg up in, a, uh, in the cycle uh, for something that would be just uh, a wonder to behold on the upside for gold. Well, I titled today's show "America is uh, America's Learning: What Goes Around Comes Around," and we're going to be talking to Jerry Robinson. Uh, he, he's a talk show host and author, entrepreneur. He's going to be visiting for the first time. I met Jerry down in Dallas, Texas, when I was there at the Liberty uh, Mastermind Symposium. A wonderful, a wonderful man who's written a great book. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about his. His book, which is titled Bankruptcy of Our Nation. Uh, then Daniel McAdams of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. He'll be with me at about four, I'm sorry, at about 3.30. Uh, you know, he is really, uh, that is, Daniel McAdams is really handpicked by Ron Paul to head up the, uh, the, uh, Institute for Peace and Prosperity. But as Ron Paul noted, the reason they came over here on 9-11 is because we are over there. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it was Adam Hochschild who noted, uh, quote, once government becomes captive of wars they purport to control, they turn next on their own people. End of quote. So the U.S. now spies, taxes, and destroys its own citizens, and I would say that we have fraudulent paper money that has been used to finance these wars uh, that have left American citizens less safe and more impoverished as a result of what is really can only be described, I think, as a parasitic government military-industrial complex. And, of course, the bankers are part of that parasitic feed, uh, the parasites as well, that, that continue to eat on the rich, uh, strong fiber of the American public, the miners, the manufacturers, the inventors, the farmers, people that really do provide wealth and substance for our country are, are, are being robbed and uh, the parasites, the military industrial complex, the government, which doesn't create wealth but just simply redistributes it, is taking away, destroying, as David Stockman said last week, destroying capitalism. And as a result of that, uh, we find ourselves in a very, very difficult situation in America. We can hope that the likes of Ron Paul uh, and others, uh, David Stockman, uh, certainly Gene Epstein, who's coming on, I think would view it this way to a great extent. He's a libertarian, a free market advocate. We know that people are more productive if they're free to be who they re- were created to be. Uh, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is what our founding fathers risked their lives to give us. Unfortunately, there are people now that are taking that away from us very, very rapidly. And those are the subjects that we'll be talking uh, to our guests today about. We do have to go to a commercial break, and when we come back, I'm... Uh, I'm expecting that Gene Epstein is going to be with me, so uh, don't go away. We'll be right back.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. In this climate of increasing global economic uncertainty, just one safe haven remains, precious metals. Led by a strong, proven management team, Prophecy Platinum is actively developing the Wellgreen Platinum Group Metals, Nickel, and Copper property. A large, easily accessible deposit in the Yukon with an estimated resource of 1 million ounces of PGM and gold indicated and a further 11 million ounces inferred. Large deposit, excellent infrastructure, impressive drill results, and increasing international demand. To learn more about Prophecy Platinum and the Wellgreen Project, visit prophecyplat.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again, Gene Epstein. After a, a month's absence, uh, Gene is a monthly guest. He comes on to tell us about what's going on at the New York City Junto every month, and we do have a Junto meeting coming up this Thursday. It's free of charge. It is held at, the, uh, at a public library on the south side of uh, 44th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. It's a wonderful event. It's something that I hardly ever miss anymore because, especially since Gene has taken over to head up these meetings. It's really been a very well-organized event, and he's had some spectacular guests there. Uh, most recently, the one I probably enjoyed most of all uh, was Mackey, um, the, um, John Mackey, the uh, conscious capitalist, uh, the head of uh, Whole Foods. Wonderful discussion there, Gene. Uh, it was Thank just you. fabulous. So really good yeah. to have you back. I'm glad you could join me again. Yeah. Yeah, it's always, always great to be back, and I appreciated what you just said about money and uh, the warf- warfare welfare state. Uh, with respect to Junto, uh, we're going to have a special event. The guy who who actually finances Junto and who started Junto 30 years ago, named, of course, after the discussion group that the great Ben Franklin ran, uh, is uh, Victor Niederhofer, who uh, is a storied a legendary hedge fund manager who is going to be speaking on the general topic of the education of a speculator. And Vic has also written me that he wants me to read a short story from Sholem Alechem. I'm going to read it in a British form, which is going to illustrate his point. And on top of that, he's written a few songs that he's going to have a professional sing intermittently <laughs> through his talk, songs about investment. So it's going to be a multimedia event uh, with a legendary guy, Vic Niederhofer, a departure for 
the usual Jinto events. So we don't usually talk about sheer uh, down and dirty investment, uh, but uh, we will this time, and I think it'll be a great evening. Well, the next uh, next September, uh, next month rather, September fifth, we're going to have uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano Ooh. return to more important uh, issues of, uh, of of church and state. Wonderful. That should be really good. Uh, uh, Judge Napolitano is a is a fantastic a, a fantastic guy, uh, and I think you're also expecting to have David Stockman come sometime soon. Absolutely. Yeah, David uh, Stockman is going to be in October, and of course he's had mm-hmm. a lot of appearances. I know him fairly well at this point. Read his book closely. I'm going to have him. And of course, the book is a doorstop. It's on a massive number of subjects. I'm going to put him in the hot seat about a number of different issues. So it's going to be kind of an interactive. Uh, evening uh, with David Stockman. He's he's extremely affable. I shared a, a stage with him when a, a film was being shown about the Great Bubble, and they disagreed with him vigorously about a number of points. But he seemed to enjoy our disagreement more than anything. So uh, it, I think it'll be a great evening. That'll be uh, the first Thursday in October. And again, the specific address is 20 West 44th Street, as you said, on the south side of 44th. I couldn't remember exactly the, uh, the address, so that's why I said sure. on the south side. But anyway, uh, really, David, we had David Stockman with us last week on, uh-huh. on the show, and he is uh, very affable. And, and, he, and I listened to him debate with Keynesians and uh, with with Tom Keene, for example, in Bloomberg, and it's very, very entertaining. He is a very nice man. He's a very good man. I think one that uh, we deserve a lot of uh, a lot of thanks uh, to him for, you know, Gene, because he was willing to stand up for what he believed, even against the President of the United States and stood his ground, as you remember, being taken to the woodshed. You and I are old enough to remember those days. Absolutely, yeah, and by the way, an extremely accomplished writer uh, to boot. Uh, His his book is long, but it's, it's 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 a great read. It's an easy read. It's yeah, of course maybe I'm I'm identifying because I'm you and I are more or less his age and we can yeah. uh, we live through those periods of time. Yeah. I don't know how many of the younger people can really identify with it, but in any event, yeah. uh, it's going to be great. So you you are really you deserve an awful lot of credit, Gene, for pulling some really great guests together. And I must say that I'm looking forward to uh, Mr. Niederhofer too because he is a character. Yeah. He is he is a genius. He's a, a an individualist if ever there was one. Uh-huh. You talk about uh, a person who is free to be who he is. Is, that's Mr. Niederhofer, and thank God for that because mm-hmm. we're all richer for it. And yeah. you know what? I really, what really bothers me most, Gene, is the direction that we seem to be heading in the opposite direction, where the individual is being asked to serve the state, and he becomes less important, and the state becomes all important. Do you see that direction? Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, you're right. Uh, but uh, you know, there are several silver linings. Uh, there. Uh, by the way, I, mean, I was at uh, Freedom Fest uh, in mm-hmm. Las Vegas, run by Mark Skousen, and uh, I heard a few upbeat talks. Uh, I mean, one of them we're going to be talking about gold in a moment. But uh, I was heartened and uh, began to see a little bit of argument for the Bitcoin revolution. It's called mm. Bitcoin because it's computerized money and. Uh, I hang out with a lot of young people through my mm-hmm. stepson, who's a math uh, PhD, who uh, does a lot of trading, a lot of dealing in Bitcoin, and uh, so there are contrary winds. Uh, there, you know, the the, the legal the, the move toward legalizing marijuana has been positive, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Uh, again, uh, I think the recognition of gay marriage has been good for at least the libertarian culture. Uh, not to offend too many of my conservative fr- friends, and on, uh, and again on, on top. Of that, uh, the uh, the Bitcoin revolution among uh, among young people has uh, has also been hardening. 
So I like to, uh, and and on t- and in addition, uh, I'm going to have, by the way, in uh, in February of of next year, I'm going to have a guy named Keith Smith, who runs the Free Market Surgery Center out of Oklahoma City. Ooh, um, I believe good. that yeah, I believe that a lot is happening uh, that hasn't been talked about too much about free market in medical care. That's going to be an enormous backlash uh, to Obamacare. Um, so uh, there's always a silver lining, always a few Which- reasons to hope. Well, Gene, let me ask you about that, Keith Smith, because I believe it was your son, uh, not your stepson in this case, but your... No, no, uh, my real son, my first... Your real son, who who actually did a video on this this movement in... yeah. In Oklahoma, right? Yeah, you can, can you, get it. If you go on Reason uh, TV, uh, put that into any search engine, you can find uh, Jim Epstein's videos. Uh, he just did uh, a marvelous series on, on curbside buses, but the, the uh, as well, which I also recommend, and he teaches me a lot. Uh, and uh, in this case, uh, Keith Smith is remarkable for having read Murray Rothbard and for running a surgery center that is twice as productive as, as a competition, uh, where literally... Surgeons go there because without too much extra effort, uh, they can get twice as many surgeries done in a single day simply because Keith Smith has things properly organized. And on top of that, he doesn't have the enormous overhead that the competition has. He doesn't have a lot of highly paid bureaucrats who do very little. It's run on a business basis. And I've urged Keith to franchise, to run it nationally, but he's a surgeon himself and he loves the the work too much. I just hope that Keith inspires uh, so many to do the same as he does uh, and uh, again he'll be speaking at Junto in February meanwhile you can catch the video we'll be showing the video as a matter of fact that very evening when he does speak in will your, February will your, will your son be there as well I hope I uh, trust he will be uh, oh, and, wonderful. and okay. of course uh, you know he's the better Epstein for uh, for you to, uh, to to do an interview uh, with well I don't know but about that but you can eventually catch him he's probably a chip off the old block as they say so well I'm in sure. a sense yes absolutely yeah. Good, good. All right. Well, let's get into gold. You wrote about gold this last uh, week in Barron's, uh, and so you're seeing a little upside for gold now. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess you say a little upside. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm very, in a sense, very torn about gold because, on the one hand, um, I, by the way, I was debating at Freedom Fest uh, the case for a free market in gold. And I guess mm-hmm. just to plug uh, myself again, go into the Freedom Fest website and you can get tapes of all the events. Uh, one of them is the, the, the debate on free market in gold, which I participated in. Free market in money, I should say, because I was open to the possibility that it would be gold or Bitcoin. So I favor it in that sense. Gold is the people's money. But what I do for barons uh, when I write a front of the book article is not so much advocate for gold as try to analyze the gold market, uh, which uh, I find to be difficult uh, to analyze because it, it's not susceptible to normal uh, uh, conventional supply and demand the way uh, cattle and cocoa are, for example, for sure, or coffee for sure. or copper. Um, it's a essentially a precious metal and trades as such. It trades at a much higher price than the price uh, that uh, would just reflect its industrial and ornamental uses. But um, with that said, I I did find um, a a good source um, who could argue for uh, a bottom in the the recent market in gold. As you know, it fell from from nearly 1,900 an ounce 
to a little under 1,200 uh, in a few months. And uh, to some degree, it was reflecting certain disappointments. Um, and when you talk about disappointment in gold, uh, it means simply that uh, the gold, the whole history of the gold price since the mid-70s, when gold uh, again became legal for Americans to own, is that gold rises uh, when, uh, when, when the powers that be are mismanaging the economy. The first big bull market in gold, which started in the mid-70s, where gold uh, hit... Uh, Hit a high of uh, around uh, of over 800 an ounce was that uh, the double-digit inflation of the late 70s and uh, into the early 80s, uh, which propelled gold uh, to those highs. Uh, this was then then gold anticipated and then tracked what has been called the Great Moderation, where there was at least some restoration of confidence in the ability of the powers that be to manage the economy. Uh, then, however, gold uh, started another bull market in the early aughts uh, when, uh, the, again, the gold market began to anticipate and then coincide with the return of massive instability and then hit a high of, a, of a, again, as I said, a little, uh, nearly 1,900 an ounce. But there were certain uh, probably expectations on the part of the gold bulls that were disappointed, that were thwarted. Uh, the expectation, which I didn't share, by the way, that uh, the Federal Reserve's policies would bring accelerated price inflation, or at least as officially measured, and that didn't happen. There was some kind of feeling that uh, that the central bank president, Mario Draghi, in Europe uh, was going to bring uh, the European economies under some uh, control with his big declaration a year ago that, that he would do whatever was necessary uh, to help matters. And I believe that that's part of the reason why the gold market expecting continued instability, why it fell back. Um, but uh, what we do also see, uh, and uh, for this, my source is a guy who's worth mentioning named Steve Breezy, who mm -hmm. wrote a book uh, about uh, the, the insider trading information that is publicly available in the commodities markets. Now, that information is the commitments of the professionals. The professionals are otherwise known as the hedgers, the people who deal in the actual underlying commodity, in this case, gold dealers, and including gold mining companies, and he charts their position in a relative basis to see whether they're bullish or bearish, and he finds that they, to some degree, are the smart money. They are the insider money, and where they are betting is where he would tell us to bet, and he found a couple of weeks ago that they have not been more bullish in their betting uh, than any time over the last 10 years, and so given that, he called the bottom of the market, which was, again, around under 1,200. Uh, when, I, when I published the article, gold had already risen to about 1,290, and now it's up to about uh, 1,330 um, mm -hmm. today. It's gained, another, it's gained about $40. Now, Steve, uh, now in a sense, he's turned into a, a chartist, and I'm going to go at that price. He, he's, his target price is about 1,550. Uh, so that would mean that gold's got about another $220 to go on the mm -hmm. upside, which is certainly considerable for uh, future speculators who put up only about 5%. And in that sense, he's splitting the difference uh, between the high and the low uh, recently. And I'm arguing that that's perhaps a plausible target, given that instability is certainly there's a lot to doubt about the ability of the powers that be to manage the economy. And uh, while I would uh, certainly buy gold for the long term over a 10-year basis, if you're thinking in terms of the next 
six months, then maybe 1550 is a good target. Yeah. Well, that would certainly make a lot of people that buy my newsletter, a lot of people that listen to this show happy if we could start to see that. We just saw a bottoming and a basing, and I can tell you, Gene, in following the gold mining shares, they have really gotten clocked, and I looked at a 10-year chart of the uh, S&P and TSX chart, go back, and we've had a quadruple bottom. Uh, gold, has, the, the shares have collectively sold as low as they did when uh, gold was $300 an ounce. So it's hard for me to see an awful lot of downside with the gold shares. Oh, and if we get fifteen, if we get fifteen hundred dollar gold, I, I think uh, we could really see a lot of upside for the shares. So I really mm-hmm. thank you, Gene. This mm-hmm. is uh, some good insights, and folks, you know, read every week. Uh, Gene, ba- Gene writes in Barron's, uh, so uh, make sure you pick up a copy of Barron's magazine. It's really a, a must read if you really care about the markets. And Gene, always we can only we can only bring you Gene once a month for his insights. So you have to buy uh, Barron's at least three times uh, a month. So so okay. uh, thank you, thank you very much, Gene. I look forward to seeing you. Thursday at the New York City Junto. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Great to see you. Folks, don't go away. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with my good friend Daniel McAdams from the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Uh, Daniel has really been picked by Ron Paul to head up this institution, and it's a very worthwhile thing. Uh, you, you're going to want to learn to, more about uh, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity, so don't go away. I'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. That's questions. 
the number four, Taylor, at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me, once again, Daniel McAdams. And Daniel's been with me before, but let me just say that I, I the way I look at Daniel is that when you listen to what he has to say, you're listening to uh, pretty much what Ron Paul hears from this man, because uh, Daniel's been picked by Ron to head up uh, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity for a good reason. Daniel provided a lot of uh, intelligence and, and groundwork, a lot of information for Ron Paul when Ron Paul was a congressman. Uh, and so, uh, obviously, uh, Ron Paul has a great deal of trust in Daniel, and uh, it's really, really good to have him uh, with us today. Daniel has been uh, as I say, he's been with us before. Uh, he uh, uh, he has served uh, uh, as the Foreign Affairs, uh, Civil Liberties, and Defense Policy Advisor to Congressman Paul uh, from uh, during 1993 to 1999, I believe. Uh, and he worked as a journalist uh, based in Budapest, Hungary, and traveled through the former communist bloc as a uh, human rights monitor and election observer. Uh, really good to have you, Daniel. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks, Jay. It's great to be with you. Actually, I was with Dr. Paul from 2001 until his retirement in 2000, uh, early 2013. Wonderful. So you had a good long time with, with Dr. Paul. Uh, it was time. 1993 to 1999 that you, were in, uh, that you worked as a journalist in Budapest and it involved very much in, in human rights monitoring. Very interesting. So you've had a lot of experience uh, in monitoring human rights. So how does uh, what's going on now in the United States compare with some of the things you saw and some of those places that we always look down our noses at as being horrible when it comes to human rights? How much better are we doing these days uh, than some of those Eastern Bloc countries did after the fall of the Soviets? Well, actually, what I found when I was over there in the 90s is that most often the countries where the U.S. Uh, was very friendly toward the rulers they had the most abominable conditions. You know, I was in, in Georgia in 1998, uh, where our good buddy Shevardnadze was running things. Mm. And, uh, you know, I toured some of the political prisons there, and uh, really it was something out of Dante's Inferno. It was uh, just horrific. So, unfortunately, uh, the neoconservatives who dominate our foreign policy and who meddle overseas, uh, they usually pick the most uh, a grotesque and uh, totalitarian type of person to support. Uh, overseas, and that's that's the one thing I took away from those uh, several years uh, uh, operating overseas more than anything. Do you think perhaps they feel the protection of the United States government, so therefore they feel free to do more and to take more uh, if they didn't have that protection uh, than they would if they didn't have that protection sometimes? Yeah, and I think what you also saw, particularly in the immediate post-communist period, you had a lot of people who had uh, maintained power for a long time doing what they were told from Moscow. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people were able to maintain their power by simply switching their allegiances. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the great communists became the great so-called capitalists. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the party bosses now owned the factories. Uh, they were more than happy to do the bidding of Washington on certain things, provided that they were able to keep the loot that they stole in the first place. Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit about... Um the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. What does Dr. Paul hope to achieve with his uh, with this institute? Well, you know, we have a very different mission from your standard Washington think tank. You know, I was at an event last week uh, with all of the sort of usual Washington think tank, foreign policy think tank types. Uh, it was a good event, but I, I realized as I was sitting there that 
you know, basically, this is a group of very, very well-connected elites only talking to each other in a language that only they understand. And that's something that, that as you know, Dr. Paul never wanted to do his career. Uh, his, his goal is to help educate and uh, to, to co- uh, connect with people who are interested in these issues but are, but are not in this sort of uh, inside-the-beltway mentality. So our mission is to speak to people who are informed and interested in foreign policy in a way that they can uh, understand and appreciate, not talking down to them, but giving them a different and fresh perspective. So we have a very, very different mission when it comes to that. How often do you uh, have the honor of, of meeting up with Dr. Paul or talking to him? I, I just know that I've had a few occasions in my life to do so, uh, and he is just one of the kindest, gentlest, decent human beings that I've ever come in contact with from what I've seen in the brief periods of time I've had with him. So I, I envy you in a way, Daniel, sure. because I know you have, you have contact with Dr. Paul frequently. How often do you get to speak with him? Well, he's very much involved. I mean, he's the founder, he's the CEO and chairman of, of his institute. So this is his baby, and, and uh, we're in constant communication. I'm, I'm down in Texas quite often. We're on the phone, uh, you know, probably every other day. Uh, he provides a lot of guidance. Um, but there's, it, it's also true that I've worked very closely with him for 12 years, and in the capacity, especially in Congress, you, you do learn to sort of think, you know, like, like, like your boss. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I've been able to internalize, not that I you know, needed to change my positions, but I've internalized how he would view things. Mm-hmm. And that's the benefit of having spent so much time uh, with Dr. Paul, and I've benefited enormously because he's a fantastic teacher. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I used to publish in my own newsletter every week, I used to publish uh, his weekly, um, uh, I think it was Texas Straight Talk or something yeah. like that, is, uh, and I used to publish it every week, and I remember telling him one time that sometimes I just plunk it in my newsletter, don't read it, uh, because I've, I've never found anything I disagreed with, and that, that sounds dangerous, you know, you, you should, and I'm sure there are a few things here and there that I might not quite agree with Dr. Paul on, but somehow I think the basic philosophy of Dr. Paul is what I was brought up with in, uh, you know, in the 1950s in Ohio, uh, what I was brought up with, with Charles Smith, my, uh, eighth grade teacher who required us to learn the opening lines of the Declaration of Independence, which I think most kids wouldn't even know exists <laughs> anymore, but, um, uh, the philosophy of government and, and, uh, because this, it gets back to your basic philosophy of, of what life is all about. And that whole introduction to the, uh, Constitution or the, uh, uh, uh the Declaration of Independence, uh, puts the emphasis on the individual as being most important, right? And the state is there to serve the individual. Whereas, is this the, is this the philosophy of Ron Paul? And, and what does he hope, uh, is, and is that what's really sort of, built into the purpose of the Institute. Sure, and I think even, uh, even deeper to a degree than that is, is the philosophy of Dr. Paul is a simple philosophy of uh, uh, the golden rule, you know, do unto <laughs> others as you would have them do unto you, uh, you know, and we, we, we like that on a personal level, but uh, on a level as a nation as well and internationally, so I think those are two very strong guiding principles in Dr. Paul's philosophy. Yeah, I can remember, and I'm just sort of chuckling, as, and I shouldn't be laughing because it's sad in a way, but I can remember when he used that term, the golden rule, when he was in a debate, and he was almost hissed, hissed <laughs> at for it. And, I, and the other thing that he said is that, that the reason they're over here on 9-11, the reason they came over here is because we're over there. And, of course, that really, really got people ticked off. 
the, but the funny thing is it was so logical, and as Dr. Paul has explained subsequently, in, uh, you know, basically you had a crime, you had a murder that was committed on 9-11. In any murder investigation, one of the first things you look for is you want to look for the motive. Why mm-hmm. did this person, why were these people motivated to commit these crimes? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and by investigating the motive, you're by no means condoning the crime. On the contrary, you're looking to be able to get a conviction, whether it's in the court of opinion or the court of law, what have you. And so what Dr. Paul was saying is let's listen to the people uh, who committed this crime and let's hear why they said it, why they did it. Why they and, did it. you know, yeah. you have, there's plenty of evidence from Osama bin Laden uh, why he was irritated. That doesn't justify what he did. But it certainly is worth looking at why he was irritated. One of the things he did not like was U.S. bases in Saudi Arabia. And what's interesting, Jay, is a couple of years later, you know, when enough of the smoke literally and figuratively had cleared after 9-11, the U.S. quietly closed all of its military bases in Saudi Arabia. So uh, obviously they were paying attention, too, to the enormous uh, danger that this was causing. So in a sense, that movement of our troops was a justification for what Dr. Paul said in the first place. Yeah, interesting. And yet it's never been really explained that way, has it been? It's, uh, no, no, it's no. no. They were relocated barrel- for better positions or something like that. <laughs> very interesting. Well, of course, Saudi Arabia also is, uh, is, is where Mecca is, right? It's, it's a very religious country It's uh, to, the, to the Muslims. Uh, to have Americans and Westerners coming in and imposing their their values or lack of values, I think in many cases, imposing our will on them must must just rub these people the wrong way to a great extent. And also, it's it's so blatantly obvious that the U.S. support there is not for the people of Saudi Arabia; it's for the dictators that rule the country. So there's that added irritation on the part of the population that these U.S. bases are here to keep us down. You know, for all this talk of democracy, uh, the U.S. military presence in Saudi Arabia was to prevent any kind of democracy from from rising up. That's the last thing we wanted. And the same is true in places, you know, in in, in places like Yemen and and elsewhere, certainly Qatar and and Bahrain. Uh, The U.S. presence there is to keep democracy from happening. You know, it's 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 really it's incredible, and yet that's what we're supposed to be. Our boys and girls are supposed to be giving their lives for, right? I, I don't know that we don't hear that that propaganda so much anymore, uh, but I think people still have that notion that that's why we go to is to is for the ideal, the the lofty ideals of our of our republic. Well, it's not a republic, our democracy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jay, I um, think there's I think there's a danger though that we I think you touched on it in a second ago we are becoming so much more cynical that these lofty slogans no longer have any power mm-hmm. and so that's I think that's one of the reasons why we're in the era of the drone uh, our our men and women no longer over there fighting we're basically they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere in New Mexico pushing buttons to uh, kill people. 16, 16 civilians were killed yesterday uh, in U.S. drone attacks. Wow, sixteen! Uh, so, yeah. Did you now? I should mention to our listeners uh, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Daniel, the website I believe is ronpaulinstitute.org, right? That's correct. Yes. And did you have a report of that uh, on your website yesterday, or you will have? Or we're working on that now. We've yeah. written a lot about drones, um, and you know the rise of the rise of drone warfare and the, the era of the drone and what it what it's done to. The image of the U.S. overseas, you know, if you look 
Uh, the Pew Organization does a, a poll on uh, people's opinions toward the U.S. Every, every year they do this. And if you look at the consistent decline from 2001 to 2013, it's, it's, just, it's just astonishing to see. You know, even in places that are supposedly our close allies, uh, like Jordan, where, where Secretary Kerry was, uh, I think, last week, uh, I think the latest poll said that something like 12% of the population has a positive view of the U.S. You know, so this is, and this is one of the friendly, the friendly, so-called friendly countries. Well, the, so the world is really hating us more and more now, and, and wasn't that one of the things that President Obama was going to turn around? At least we heard that from the liberals. Uh, that's what we did here, and um, he turned around the way we interact overseas, I think, but I don't think it's for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pulling out the troops in these places uh, has, you know, has been good uh, to a degree for the troops, for the, the, the poor folks that have finally come home, mm-hmm. but the way he's conducting warfare is, I think, in an even more cynical way, in a more yeah. dangerous way. Just kill them. Just kill them. Kill anybody yeah. that, might get in your, that might possibly get in your way one day. And you'd have to wonder, you know, why that wouldn't apply to us here and those of us who speak out against the government. Why wouldn't we all be potentially in danger? Well, a lot of people are looking at uh, poor old Michael Hastings' car crash a few weeks ago. (laughs) The conspiracy theorists are having a field day with that one. Who knows? I don't know about that story. I don't know about that story. Tell us about it. Well, he's, you know, he's the Rolling Stone reporter, the one who basically broke the uh, General McChrystal case. Uh, uh-huh. He's, you know, McChrystal had to step down or was fired uh, based on the reporting that Hastings did uh, a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And um, as the story goes, apparently he was working on a very, very hot expose uh, on the CIA, I think based in part on some of these NSA leaks, mm-hmm. uh, the night that uh, he had this uh, very interesting car crash in L.A. <laughs> and a um, uh, fiery crash, and he was killed. And uh, uh-huh. Uh, so there are, you know, there. Are, it's hard to sort out. I mean, the the, the folks who take conspiracy too far uh, have all sorts of wild theories. But it, it is yeah. very chilling. He apparently uh, contacted an attorney the night before he, the night he was killed, saying, you know, I feel like the FBI is investigating me, and I'm, I need to to lie low for a while. <laughs> wow. So it's uh, wow. who knows. Well, there's there's so much in the way of of, of conspiracy theories and so forth. Uh, Senator Paul Wellstone, for example, I've I've just recently come across some things. That, but uh, we we I don't want to get too much into that today, Daniel. But you know, there I just want people to go to the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Ron uh, writes articles up there all the time. Yeah, uh, he's got one up there now. The defense bill debate: a house divided over NSA spying on Americans. And I guess he's referring there to the legislation that narrowly was defeated the other day that uh, uh, that uh, Congressman uh, uh, Amash, uh, his name is, uh, Congressman, yeah. uh, that, that really got behind it. And, you know, uh, I guess we could be discouraged because it was defeated. But on the other hand, I think it's making some people wake up to the fact uh, that there's a lot of Americans out there that are getting kind of ticked off about about being spied on, having everything that we do watched and recorded and taken from us. Yes, exactly. And, you know, Congressman Paul is always an optimist, and he always tries to look for the positive side. And, you know, this, this was an amendment to, an, to a defense appropriation bill, and it was uh, Representative Amash from Michigan uh, offered this amendment, which have simply struck funding for these NSA programs that are targeting Americans who are not, not otherwise under, under a, uh, a warranted 
investigation, mm-hmm. so it would have cut the money for, for the spying on all of our uh, calls. Mm-hmm. And it was a very narrow defeat, uh, and that was encouraging to a degree. Uh, but what was even more interesting, as Congressman Paul wrote in his piece, was that the division was not along party lines. You basically see, you, you know, you're seeing people lined up, uh, those who feel, uh, who take their oaths seriously, and, and those who want to continue defending what's become a police state. And, you know, there was an article that came out a couple of days later, a very interesting analysis uh, of, of voting behavior on that particular amendment. And it turns out those who voted to keep these NSA programs, on, av- on average, were, were receiving 122% more money from defense contractors than mm. those who voted to curb the, the uh, NSA spying. Wow. So that says a lot about lobbyists and money and the, the role that this plays in so-called keeping us safe. Well, and I would go back to the uh, to why money is so easy, you know. And so I go back to 1971 August, and uh, when Mr. Nixon made the printing press available to uh, the special interest, in a, in essence. Uh, but uh, but that's a, a little bit getting off the track. There's so much, Daniel. I can see we're we're only going to scratch the surface here today with with the many things you had to, you have on your website and things you have to talk about. And of course, you refresh this website every day, don't you? You have something new. Well, we have we have uh, new things every day, and we have categories. We have uh, a little feature we call Neocon Watch, you know, it's yes. uh, something that they've never, I don't think, had before. We're keeping an eye on them, and mm-hmm. we're reporting to our readers the kinds of crazy things they're doing and saying, the kinds of insidious things they're doing and saying, and uh, it's uh, kind of shining the light back on them. So we, uh, we have a lot of fun with that, but hopefully it's informative because people need to know these things. Uh, we have a Congress alert section where we get behind the legislation. You know, myself and a couple of colleagues who work with me on it, uh, we've had years of analyzing between the lines. And these bills and these amendments are not the way they're presented. Right. So we're able to give, hopefully we're able to give some value added to the average reader who wants to know what is really going on behind this stuff. What's the, what's the real story? Uh, you know, we've got a, an Iran sanctions bill coming up this week, and that's actually a story I'm working on right now. And we're trying to break it down and, tell, and, and, and let people know what it's really about and who's behind it. Uh, so that's hopefully the value we have, and we try to keep it, as I say, not think tanky language. We want to keep it journalistic language. We want to, we want to try to engage people uh, and bring them into what we're doing. We have a very active Facebook page uh, that you can link to from our homepage at, the Ron Paul, at ronpaulinstitute.org. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, uh, with Twitter and as, as well. So we, we really want to reach out to people and inform them some things that they're not getting in the, in the mainstream media, that's for sure. Well, uh, the Institute runs on donations, and I must say that I gave a, a very modest donation this week myself because I believe so much in, in, uh, in what Ron Paul is doing here. And our listeners, uh, if uh, if you're of that mind should consider doing so as well. I guess you can just do that through the website, right, Daniel? They can go thank right on the website. Well, thank you very much, Jay, for your vote of support. Uh, really, really, I know Dr. Paul will be thrilled to hear that. You know, he, uh, as you know, he runs a very tight ship, and we, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we do not waste a penny, I can assure you. Uh, <laughs> I know that's true. I, I learned many years ago that Dr. Paul used to give some money back. He would squeeze you, uh, you guys that were working with him, and, uh, you know, and he would give money back to the government uh, and, sure, and, and, that, and that, underspend that, his allocation at times. But that's because that's he's... I mean, we, we, we so much appreciate the generous support, and I have to say, Jay, it's interesting... We get support from all over the world. Uh, the rest of the world, uh, 
also wants to support a non-interventionist foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have we have uh, donors and people who are interested in what we're doing. Uh, I mean, you'd be surprised across the world, and we 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 do uh, depend on on folks who are willing to support Congressman Paul's ideas, peace and prosperity. The two of them are so linked. Jay, you know, as we talked about off offline, uh, you know, the total cost of these wars since 2001 is now over one and a half trillion dollars. Wow. So you talk about what that does to our economy to have that money just sucked out, just sucked out. Right. So the relationship I'll, I'll... between between peace and prosperity is such an intimate relationship that people who are interested primarily in finance certainly are very interested in what we're doing as well. Absolutely. And while Detroit uh, and lots of other American cities are going down, now this, I mean, they're going down for reasons that are not uh, totally related to, to, to war, but of course, to, to an extent they are. The one and a half trillion you're talking about, Daniel, for the, uh, for the Afghan and the Iraqi wars? Yes. So, so we, but, but beyond I mean, that, we're spending all, a huge amount. since 2001, so you put them all together in that, yeah. And, and, and beyond that, of course, we have a military that's in how many countries? Oh, it's 120-some countries. There's a military presence of some sort. Yeah. yeah. So, so do we have any, any foreign countries with military presence in our country? I mean, other than perhaps spies, but do we have any? <laughs> but can you imagine the reaction here if, if uh, the Iranians decided to build a base in Texas somewhere? Well, let's say the Chinese decided to come in and set up a base in, uh, in New Jersey. <laughs> huh? How would that work? Yeah, it's just... I mean, you know, it's, it's just absurd. It's just as absurd. You know, I mean, we, Congressman Paul always tries to, to, to ask us to look at the rest of the world... Uh, through their eyes, how they how they view our actions and how we feel. The shoe is on the other foot, so it's, it's might, a useful thing to do. Yeah, I might mention also one of the things, and I watched this earlier today uh, from your site, Greenwald preview, uh, Previews new blockbuster NSA story. It's really talking about uh, and, and actually confirming a lot of the things that Mr. Snowden said about how he, as an outsider, was able to go in basically and wiretap even the President of the United States. And, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking, Daniel, my engineer is telling me we're just about out of time. This has gone so fast, we're going to have to have you back. But uh, I would just encourage people to go to this website. It's an extremely informative website, very entertaining website, sometimes not exactly what you want to see. I mean, I had a whole bunch of things to talk about Neocon, the Neocon Watch, which I think is spectacular. And, Daniel, you have basically an article I think you wrote on the Neocon Watch here uh, concerning, I'm trying to think, what was it you just wrote about? Um, y- you just wrote about one of these, uh, I can't remember which, anyway, it was a very interesting uh, article that you just wrote that was on the Neocon Watch. Oh, yeah, well, we wrote, um, we did one on, uh, on um, a recent one on, uh, on uh, Zalmay Khalazid exactly. uh, in Afghanistan, uh, but we also, you know, we, we did one on... Uh, Anthony Cordesman uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, oh, oh, Lindsey Graham. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, oh, we did, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a huge one. We had we had so many readers. It was. I guess everyone just loves to hate Lindsey Graham. <laughs> well, he is a neocon. We've got some others too. Uh, we've got we've got one in New Jersey, the the uh, somewhat overweight uh, governor uh, that is also. Um, uh, very, very critical of, of peace and liberty. He wants to enslave all of us as well. Yes, uh, exactly. Daniel, we're out of time. We'll have you back. I want to I do this on a regular basis, if you're willing. So, Love to do thank, it, Jay. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you very much for being with us. We do have to go to our commercial break and our next guest, but we'll have you back on again very soon. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, Jay. 
Folks, don't go away. Uh, don't go away because after the break, uh, we're going to be back with our next guest, Jerry Robinson. He's written a book called Bankruptcy of Our Nation. Uh, it's a very, very informative book. I think a lot of great insights and much of which, if not most of which, I agree with. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Jerry Robinson. In this climate of increasing global economic uncertainty, just one safe haven remains, precious metals. Led by a strong, proven management team, Prophecy Platinum is actively developing the Wellgreen Platinum Group Metals, Nickel, and Copper property, a large, easily accessible deposit in the Yukon with an estimated resource of 1 million ounces of PGM and gold indicated and a further 11 million ounces inferred. Large deposit, excellent infrastructure, impressive drill results, and increasing international demand. To learn more about Prophecy Platinum and the Wellgreen Project, visit prophecyplat.com. <laughs> 